Hey there, looking for a new true crime podcast to listen to? Well then check out Not Always Polite. Hosted by me, Celine, from London, Ontario, Not Always Polite covers underreported cases and crimes that are generally not covered by the true crime community. Episodes are released every Saturday, so make sure you're ready to listen and remember, Canadians aren't always polite. Welcome back to Weird Distractions Podcast, a podcast where we talk about true crime, conspiracy theories, paranormal, and just, you know, whatever the fuck we want. Life stuff. Everything. <laughs> Everything. I'm Alex. And Christy. And this week we are back to true crime. It feels like forever since we have talked about true crime for some reason. I don't know why. It just feels like... I guess just like lately we've been like, or like recording stuff out of order that was kind of jumbled up. Exactly. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. So what is your need for a distraction this week? My need from distraction this week is all the money I'm spending. Because <laughs> everything Fair. seems to be due. Like, there's regular bills. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's like, Christmas shopping already. My professional dues are due. I like have a big credit card bill. I just booked a bunch of appointments, which, like, I needed them so bad. But Fair it's enough. like, I don't have money or benefits. And I was like, it's so much money. It's just so much money. And I find the end of the year is, like, the most expensive time of year, right? Because you have Christmas, you have everything kind of round it like mm. rounding up essentially or rounding out mm-hmm. so. so i'm distracting from my money problems fair enough <laughs> i'm gonna say i'm distracting from the meal we just had because we went out for dinner and it was shit i was so like okay look i used to work at a fast food restaurant i understand serving a little bit not whatever mm-hmm. so i we went to a restaurant we waited like over an hour for our food it was shit and i'm just mm. like not happy about it. No, it was ridiculous. And I got to the point where I was literally like, I'm going to cry. I'm so hungry. Like, I just want food now. And it just never... Ca- well, it came eventually. But then it came and he... The, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. And the waiter just... Bless his heart. He probably meant well. But he just... Excuse after excuse after excuse. Which, fair enough. It's not easy being a waiter or a waitress or, you know, whatever. It's mm-hmm. just... It's just not good, though. It just was a bad situation. Bad time. Bad time. But, you know what's a good time? Us. Well, I was going to say true crime, but yeah, sure. <laughs> Fair enough. So this episode is dedicated to our listener, Dave, from Nebraska. Oh. He emailed us and suggested this story, which I am, like, so blown away by. Like, I never heard of this individual, and it's just, it's wild. So. Well, thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Uh, so we are chatting about Michael W. Ryan. So Michael Wayne Ryan was born August 3rd, 1948, making him a Leo. Making him old as dirt. Making him old as dirt. Not much is known about Michael's childhood. However, we do know that he didn't complete high school, and he worked as a truck driver and resided in Rulo, Nebraska. He's also known as being a white supremacist, anti-government, anti-Semitic Christian cult leader of what has been referred to as the Yahweh cult. Uh, Yahweh, according to the Britannica website, is, this is a direct quote, the God of Israelites whose name was revealed to Moses as four Hebrew consonants called the Tetragrammation. Grammation. Had some bad vibes. Bad, bad character traits you got going on. Well, the the first part's bad. I I just uh, anyways. 
so this cult uh, resided on a farm or would essentially eventually reside on a farm near Rouleau, had approximately 20 adults and seven children during the early 1980s. So the farm was actually owned by a man named Rick Stice. Uh, Rick and Michael had met at a James Wickstrom meeting. And for those who don't know, like me, uh, Wickstrom was an anti-Semitic uh, extremist preacher who was also part of an anti-tax group. Uh, Wickstrom also claimed that Anglo-Saxons were the, quote, chosen people, according to an AP News article. Uh, Wickstrom, who lived from 1942 to 2018, was also known as an American radio talk show host who resided in Linwood, Michigan. But don't let that bore you. He was a royal piece of shit. Sounds like it. And was arrested in 1983 for assuming to act as a public officer in 1988 after moving to Pennsylvania after a plan to distribute $100,000 in counterfeit money to white supremacists and again in 1990 for counter counterfeiting currency and possessing firearms illegally since he was a felon. So they're buying fake money and not paying taxes. I, taxes. I just, I don't understand. Like, whatever you believe in, that's cool. But like... Just don't make up fake money. This isn't Monopoly. This isn't a fucking game. It's, it's life, damn it. <laughs> like, it's a game of life, it's not Monopoly. <laughs> exactly. So Wickstrom was also known to strongly advocate for the mass murder of Jewish people, non-European Americans, homosexuals, drug addicts, and anyone who really supports any anyone of a different race, according to Wikipedia. So he was the definition of piece of shit. B-O-S. Yeah. So... We're going to go back to the cult, though, because we're not here to talk about Wickstrom and all of his bullshittery. We're here to talk about the cult. So Rick believed that Michael and his people could perhaps financially help out with the farm, as him and his wife were struggling with just, like, everyday life, I think. Mm -hmm. um, Wicks, Rick's, Wicks, Rick's wife passed away in 1983, which is when he opened the farm doors to the small cult. The cult, which was led by the self-appointed leader, Michael, believed in a cult common denominator. What do you think that is? I don't know. I was going to say choices. Bad choices to begin with. Well, bad choices and the fact that the world is ending. So they believe strongly that Armageddon was on the horizon. So they're building shelters? <laughs> Pretty much. So, But unlike the Anthill kids, I wasn't able to kind of figure out a specific date that this cult thought the world was going to end. But essentially, Michael had a way with words, so, it, it, like, I think he was able to kind of bullshit any date he wanted. He'd be like, oh yeah, next Tuesday, oh, it didn't happen, well, we're just gonna have to keep working until Friday, like... His followers are very gullible. Well, gullible and just very easily persuaded. Mm -hmm. Just very... Uh, surrounded, or able to follow his words without questioning. That's a problem. It's a problem. So... With the end of days coming, the group would stockpile weapons, vitamins, and foods following their self-proclaimed king, Michael, and his son, Dennis, in whatever teachings they had. It's kind of unclear if Dennis's mother, so Michael's wife, Ruth, had a huge impact with the cult, but we do know that she was present based on um, what's been reported after the fact, because, mm. trust me, we're going to hear some shit, so. Yay. And Ruth did make a couple comments, mostly just agreeing that things were out of control. It didn't do anything? It didn't do anything. Not that I saw, so... Bad bystander. Yep. Um, but just like Roque Terrio uh, from the Ain't Hill Kids, it's been documented that Michael eventually had, allegedly, several, wi several wives during the cult's prime. 
And if you don't remember Rogue Terrio, go back to our first episode. Yes, it's hard to listen to because it was our first episode, but it was very informative about the Anne Hale Kids cult, so just do it. Bear with it, okay? <laughs> uh, we also know from the AP News article that before Michael had moved into the farm with his followers to potentially be safe from Armageddon, Dennis reported having a normal life with his parents, Ruth and Michael. Um, a normal life until Michael and Ruth began following James Wickstrom. So it was kind of, everything was normal until his parents kind of stumbled upon James Wickstrom and they're like, oh wow, he's he's talking the good talk. Let's follow him. Let's follow everything he does. And I got to the point where Dennis's life became really affected because he had to change his diet. He wasn't able to do extracurricular uh, activities after school. He started getting bullied. So they like took him out and then moved to the farm. And just had bad life from there. And he just went kind of downhill from there. So, uh, clearly there was something about Wickstrom that hooked Michael and Ruth in, but no one would have guessed what would transpire next. So, they're on the farm, prepping for the end of the world and whatnot, on this safe place thanks to Rick opening his doors. Which you'd think, okay, so things are, things are going well, right? Mm -hmm. But this is where distractions and things usually don't go well. So... <laughs> Uh, it didn't take long for Michael to somehow become jealous of Rick, which I don't know why he became jealous of Rick, but he, he was just jealous of Rick from what we've gathered. Ego problem? Ego problem, yeah. He was, mm. maybe it was more of like a, a toxic masculinity thing where he didn't want another potential threat mm. to happen and he saw Rick as a potential threat. Okay. But um, right off the bat, Michael demoted Rick to slave status. So essentially Rick had to do literally what everyone else said. And yeah, 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 not great. Um, but we're going to be focusing on a couple of other members of the cult in particular. So including 26 year old James Thim, and that's T-H-I-M-M, -M, and Rick's five-year-old son, Luke. So baby. I know. So James had joined the cult with his 30 year old friend, John David Andres. But um, for both James, Rick, and Luke, things would be uneasy on the farm and tensions would rise uh, sometime in 1985. So like David's fine, Ruth's fine from what I've gathered, De Dennis is fine, he's considered like the prince of this fucking cult, Michael's, you know, doing well. Mm -hmm. But James, Thim, like James, Thim, Rick, and Luke get the shaft quite often. So... Michael became convinced that James and Luke were questioning Michael's authority and, like, questioning what he was saying. It's like, dude, like, like, I get what, if, if like, a 26-year-old, okay, maybe he is questioning you because he's an adult and he, you know, he's a, like, he knows better, so to speak, but it's a five-year-old. Yeah. Like, Luke is five. So, <sighs> Michael reportedly wasn't fond of James as soon as he came on uh, to the farm with his friend. So he also demoted him, similar to Rick, for a lesser status and forced him to do whatever his, quote, superiors told him to do. To upset Rick further, once again, don't know what started all this tension, don't know what was the instigation, whatever, but to upset Rick further, Michael would become abusive towards Luke, including penning 666 in Luke's forehead and telling people Luke was the child of Satan. He's five. That's permanent. He's five fucking years old. Oh my god. I know. Rick reportedly was demanded by Michael to beat Luke himself, which he did. 
So Rick was forced to beat Luke, which he obliged and did. Wait, James is his dad? No. So James is a totally random 26-year-old guy that came on the farm with his friend. Oh, okay. Rick is Luke's dad, and Rick owns the farm. Oh, okay. I know, it's confusing. There I, are... I got, like, I lost it for a second. <clears throat> it's okay. So Luke just got 666 pinned in his forehead. That's so sad. His own dad's now beating him because of Michael. Told yeah. Things got so intense that Rick, Rick left the farm briefly, but when he returned, he was welcomed back onto the property by being changed, chained to his own porch for an unknown period of time. He left his kid there? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he, like, escaped, if he told anybody what was going on or, like, what the deal was, but he just, like, beeline, he peaced out for a bit, and then he came back and was like, hey, guys... And they're like, hey, we're going to chain you up to your porch. Cool, cool. So, not great. No. I couldn't have left your kid there, either. Yeah. And I think he had three kids in total. We don't hear much or get names of the other two kids, so I don't know, like, how old they were or what have you, but there was one article that mentioned that he did have two other kids. Mm-hmm. Because Luke's getting the shaft of the Luke's kid. getting the shaft of everything. Okay. The five-year-old's getting the shaft. Hmm. Yeah. Of everything. So, I'm just going to say trigger warning for the next while, like, for the rest of the episode. Because it's, it's, it's going to get worse from here. You've been warned. You've been warned. So, Michael then forced Rick to sexually abuse Luke, sodomize James, and be sexually assaulted himself. What? Yeah. Yeah. So now not... people all did this. Yeah. And him. Yeah. It's fucked up. Uh, after all of this, Michael was still unhappy with the lack of faith from James, Luke, and uh, Rick were displaying. Uh, maybe there was some kind of further underlying jealousy, something was underlying and making its way to the top. That's that's my guess. I know. On March 25th, 1985, Michael would strike at Luke so hard that his neck would break, killing him instantly. He forced Rick to dig his son's grave. Yep. I'm speechless. I know. I know. so fucked. I know. Like, he hit him so hard. He broke his neck. He broke his fucking neck. How far, like, Dave from Nebraska, what are you doing to us, man? <laughs> like, I'm researching this, and I'm like, Dave, come well, on. Like, I know kids are little, but, like, that's a, some serious amount of force. That's, that's, yeah, that's a lot. God. So, while digging the grave, Rick ran off the property. Like, he just stopped what he was doing and leaving. And this is where one of the articles was like, yeah, and he left his two other kids. Which, like, and that's, it's hard because... We left the kids up to begin with the first time, Well, yeah, and to be honest, like, I don't, we don't know what was going on in Rick's mind. Mm -hmm. Fight or flight, right? Like, it could have been a breaking point. And, like, I'm not saying that he was, you know, uh, it's hard to say. Like, you don't want to say, like, oh, he's mentally unwell right off the bat. But, like, clearly at this point, the guy's been through so much. Like, he's lost his wife. He brought this family and this cult on his property thinking, hey, this might be something. Maybe right, and it's turned into this And it's turned into a complete shit show. Mm -hmm. So, things aren't great. And unfortunately, James, Thim, Mm -hmm. uh, would be seeing his own fate coming shortly after. So, on April 25th, 1985, uh, he was accused of poisoning a turkey meal. And so... He was then shot in the face before being tortured for several days until he would eventually pass away. And he was this still is, alive after he got shot in yeah, the face? he was still alive. Oh my god. So, he did was... The, did the poison kill anybody? It, I don't even think it was poisoned. Hmm. 
I think Michael was just made it up. was just so unhinged, and he's just like, yeah, James did it because he didn't have he didn't like James right off the bat. Like when James and John, his friend, came on the property, he I think like he didn't like he didn't like James right off. Like I don't know if he didn't like John or whatever. We'll we'll get to John, but he just had it out for James, just like he had it out for Luke, and then had it out for Rick. Guys in the stable. Yeah. So, uh, James was chained in a hog shed and forced to have interco- intercourse with a goat after he was shot, like right after, or Ooh. shortly after. He then was beaten and raped by several other members at the demand of Michael with a shovel handle. The shovel handle had been inserted two feet oh, into James's body. This just gives me, like, oh, my body is just so uncomfortable right now. I'm, All, yeah. like, okay, if anybody's watched... 13 Reasons Why. Oh, I, I can't, I can't, I can't, yeah. That no. makes me picture that scene, and that makes me just, like, like to the point where, like, I'm just so sick, and my body's uncomfortable, like, I just can't. You just want to shrivel into a ball. And, yeah. And to, like, disintegrate into air, like, you know hurts, what I mean? Hurt speed here, that. Yeah. Ugh. So, yeah. An oxygen article quoted Dennis stating, and this would be, you know, later on in court, Dennis made this comment, each of us took a turn shooting a tip of his finger with a pistol, he constantly asked Yahweh for forgiveness. He never once turned against him, no matter what was done. So, like, James was still devoting... To Michael. And Yahweh. And it just kept doing stuff to him. And, just, and while this stuff is happening. That's fucked. Yeah. Which goes to show, like, James was so devoted, but yet no matter what, Michael still had this weird thing like against, against him. him yeah, reason. which to me... It speaks more to Michael. It speaks more about Michael than it does James. Yeah. So James's legs and arms were broken. He was finally whipped. He was whipped and finally Michael had stomped on his chest, which killed him. And in, in the oxygen article again, um, Dennis reported that his father told him he wasn't responsible for uh, James's death, stating, God did it. Yahweh did that. Yahweh took his anger and directed it through me to punish Jim Thim. I guess. Sorry. You're crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, before burying, burying James, uh, Michael ordered for the other members to shoot James in the head before putting him in an unmarked grave just to make sure that he was definitely dead. It's like, dude, you've been... Doing God knows what for, like, how long. And exactly. It probably is dead. It's like, it's overkill. Yeah. Yeah. Which it's all, all... The role of it was overkill. All, every single thing that ha- has happened has been overkill. And it's... And that's why, like, I, I'm kind of bummed that... Well, not bummed, but, like... I wish I knew more about Michael's childhood. Not saying that that would have given an excuse for anything, yeah. but it would like have made, made sense. Think of why you came about this, how you came this way, what you see. Exactly. The people that makes you choose to turn against some and not others. Exactly. So now at this point, um, word had gotten out about the far right cult residing on Rick's farm. That's good. And on June 25th, 1985, police raided the farm. So police found and confiscated illegal weapons and ammo, along with other stolen goods. And this is where things are kind of weird. So I think most of the members of the cult were arrested originally at this point, but then some were released because, you know, they they didn't have direct connections to the weapons or what have you. Okay. Or they were released on their own recog, like recognizance. So they were released with the expectation that they had to go back to In court. Here, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but after several months, uh, Rick had become an informant to the FBI, which is when officials became informed about Luke and James, who were still on the farm 
with unmarked graves. Because at that when when police raided the farm, they had no idea anyone died. No oh. one said anything. So then a couple months have passed, and Rick was like, "Hey, like I'm fessing up." Yeah, shit's going down. Is he arrested, Rick? I think he was. I think everyone was like I said. I think everyone was arrested and then let go. Like, kind of let go. So he's just gonna like try to help himself out. Yeah, okay. exactly. So. Luke and James's bodies were exhumed, and with the physical evidence now at hand, Michael was apprehended, and Dennis was apprehended, and three other members were apprehended for murder. Good. Yeah. Yes. So Dennis, who is only 16 at the time of the murders, what was? Like young. Yep. He was originally sentenced to life. Um, but he was able to escape that sentence, and I say escape because, to be honest, like, I'm sorry, I, to me, I just, I, I feel like anytime you get away with not serving life after taking a life, is, is, you're escaping something, do you know what I mean? like, like that person's death, like, they're being robbed of that because you're serving your time. Yep, pretty much. So, essentially, there was some legal loophole that happened. It didn't really say what. I didn't want to get too much into, like, the legal jargon about it and confuse everybody, including myself. Maybe but, someone being so young. I don't know. Well, yeah. Anyways, uh, he, he was released in 1997 after pleading guilty to manslaughter, according to the News Press Now article that I read. So, it was two years later? So, the police raid was in 1985. Oh, Several months, yeah, I don't think he served a lot of time, to say the least. No. Uh, Rick also provided information about other members, so Timothy and Jam, J- Jams, <laughs> Timothy and James Haverkamp and John David Andres, which was James' friend that brought him, like, that once came into the cult with them, okay. who were also part of the murders and the gruesome beatings. Um, James... His friend killed him? I don't know if his friend killed him. Helped do stuff, though? It's, Yeah. Like yeah, pretty much. Cool. Yeah, I know. I know. So, so James Haverkamp and uh, John David Andres were released in 2009, while Timothy was paroled, I think, that year as well. It's kind of not really super clear. And Dennis, Dennis, or not Dennis, fucking Michael, Michael. they're both pieces of shit in my opinion. But Michael, Michael was convicted of first degree murder of James and second degree murder of Luke and was sentenced to death. However, of Michael passed. I know there's always a but. Yeah, but Michael passed away um, in 2015 after being on Nebraska's death row since 1986. He died of brain cancer just days after the state had removed the death penalty, and that is the story of Michael Wayne. Wait, they removed the death penalty? Yeah. So if he didn't have brain cancer, he wouldn't have died. Yeah. Well, thank God he had brain cancer. Well, yeah. It's bad to say. I, I know, it's bad to say. Like, we don't condone the death penalty, but in, in these situations, it's like... the dude, all fucked up shit. The dude slapped a five-year-old to death. Like, he fucking hit a five-year-old to the to point... To, to the point where... Neck. Exactly. So, like, no, kick rocks, buddy. Like, you ugh. Yeah. But, yeah, so that's the story of Michael Ring, Wayne Ryan. Thank you so much, Dave, for requesting this. I, that was a doozy. That was a doozy. It was a short doozy, but it's a doozy. Like, there's not a lot of information out there, which I was like... There's, like, a lot that happened in a little bit of, like, what was available. Exactly. Um, so my resources for what I just splatted out to you people um, was Wikipedia, Murderpedia, KETV Newswatch, uh, 7 YouTube Video, News Press Now website article... Um, by Joey May and the Oxygen article 
which was former cult members recall grisly details of sodomy torture murder of young James Thim on a farm in Nebraska. That's a long title. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't really happy. Like, it was a lot to research in the sense of there's just a lot of sad. Like, I, I think all of our true crime episodes so far have been pretty deep. Mm-hmm. But that one just kind of was like, it, it reminded me a lot of the Ant Hill kids. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. No. So, can you tell these fine people that hopefully are still going to listen to us after this gruesome, gruesome story? Yes, you um, fine folks. Please find us on our many platforms. Yes. So, you can listen to us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We would love a review. Love some stars, preferably five. <laughs> Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Good Pots, and Bomb Buy Me a Coffee. And you can, again, send us another request just like Dave did. Or any other questions or feedback to our email at weirddistractionspodcast.outlook.com. You can tweet at us on Twitter at weirddistractI1 or hit us up on our Insta page at weirddistractionspod. Perfect. And just to clarify, so buy me a coffee is kind of a financial way to support the show, I guess. Well, yeah, it is. You don't have to. We'd love if you just support the show by telling your friends about us. Listening, listening, leaving reviews. If there's things that maybe you're listening to and you're like, you know what, I don't like when Alex says this or I don't like when Chrissy does this, let us know. I mean, we, we can take criticism. We, we can take criticism. Yes, we're we're sensitive little people, but we can we can handle it. Um, but just once again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting. And if you need a distraction, we got you. Bye. Bye. I'm John Gully, and I'm a true crime audiobook narrator. And I'm true crime author Jeffrey Dean Doty. And we're your hosts for the true crime podcast, Speaking of Crime. We both have been fascinated by crime, criminals, and people who investigate them ever since we were young. And that's been a long time. As a true crime writer, I'm used to asking questions and getting answers. As a narrator, I'm used to talking about crime and discussing cases with authors. You'll be surprised by the cases we cover. And by the people we talk to. So we hope you listen every week as we delve deep into the world of crime and talk to the people involved. You can find Speaking of Crime on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or almost anywhere you listen to podcasts. Join us for the show So Good It's Criminal. Take my advice and give us a try. You'll thank me later.